It's every election ever. And beer. Beers. Beers. <laughs> Multiple beers. We are back. We're back. Live on location recorded. We're at Wonderlinger again. Wonderlinger in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the brewing company of Wonderlinger. And um, the dead the uh, the dead soldiers over here, the the, the, the the empty bottles are stacking up on us. Yeah, we good just stuff though, Eddie. Yeah, it's a, we're like we're like this far away from this being an episode of Drunk History. Yeah, <laughs> we're really close. Listen, listen, I we just be against that actually. <laughs> we just talked to Mike Dial, by the way, the head brewmaster. We're going to have that as another bonus episode. Great guy. And listen, I have so much respect for people that actually say, "I'm I want to follow my dreams." Yeah. So I'm going to put I'm going to put my nuts on the table and I'm going to get something. We get a loan. And I'm going to start something out of this. Yep. And he did. Yep. And yes. this is a beautiful building. It's a, it's a, obviously, it's a huge, I mean, you brew, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, me I mean, and Mike you, you don't brew the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it's much bigger than the, the pot on your stove in the kitchen at your house, right? Yeah. But I mean, it's, this yeah. is not easy. This is not cheap. I mean, this is something that he, he's obviously put a lot of money in. He's mortgaged his life in this. I have, I have yeah. so much respect for that. And what a great venue. I mean, he's got live music going. He's got a, you know, he's got a beer room and he's got an art room where we're seated right he's now. He's got juice pouches for little yeah. girls that like <laughs> cider. I mean, man, can you imagine, can you imagine like having a brewery so huge that, that we come in and do this podcast yeah. in yeah. your brewery? I mean, listen, I mean, we're yeah, not, you should huge, ask us to do huge. that. We're not Rogan here, but it's not a bad point. Actually. No. I mean, yeah, I mean, hey, call us. We're coming to other breweries, by the way. Absolutely. This could be you. This could <laughs> 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 Oh, man. What are you guys drinking? That's, that's funny. <laughs> what are you guys drinking? The, uh, let me see here. It's the. You got the 100 uh, Day IPA, IPA, I think. Well, that's the 100 Day. It's the. It's not? It is the 100 Day IPA, not yeah. the 100 Day IPA. Gotcha. Um, let's see. It's a West Coast IPA, 6.7 uh, volume. More complex. Oh, sorry. It's uh, with an aggressive hop bitterness. I don't get a lot of the bitterness in this, but maybe because yeah. I'm already a little half lit. You're used to bitter. Um, it is a very bold aromatic uh, with a mild malt character and is a real kick you in the teeth American IPA. Oh, I like that. I like it. Mine's just like another it. IPA. Are you, it's got, you're, you're it's got tangerine. Dude, pine. you have an IPA? Yeah, I'm drinking an IPA. Uh, hey. How do you like it? It's good. I'm it enjoying looks it. like it's mostly gone. It's almost gone. I, I'm, I'm becoming a beer drinker just so you all you won't really make fun are. of me. You really are. You really are. By the time we're done with this, you're going you're gonna to be a beer drinker. I'm going to drink a few beers and kick Scott's ass here in a minute. <laughs> I don't know about that. Scott's a pretty big guy. Well, then my wife will kick his ass. Well, I mean, you've got the reach <laughs> on way, Scott. I'm way more afraid of your wife. I've got oh, reach. Yeah. That Puerto Rican you got back at the house, when she says something, I cower. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what, what are you drinking, Eddie? Same thing? Yeah, I still have the seat. You know, I came in here thinking I was going to try every single beer. Yeah. But I got the coffee porter, and it was so good. Yeah, off I, the charts. I just can't bring myself to get anything else. Now he told I, us every time I've gone charts. back, I've gotten this. He told us a little bit about this. It's almost like cold brew coffee, right? Well, I mean, they take actual uh, grains of coffee, as they do in, when, in this particular process, yep. and they let it just filter out, yeah. which is like cold brew coffee. Yeah. But I don't see Eddie sleeping a lot tonight. No. <laughs> I mean, probably not. But he's in Chattanooga. He's going to live it up. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, Why not? He's, he's going to be so tying the, one on. So the beer is good, but we do have an election to talk about, too. Yeah. Speaking of cider, uh, I did. we did a whole 
episode talking to the head brewer here. Yep. And but but then we talked to him for like half an hour after we stopped recording. Yeah, I cut recording because I knew you were going to ask him about cider. So yeah, I so I asked him. I said, <laughs> I said, let me ask you this: Do you actually like cider, or is that for <laughs> is that just for like our wives and Matt? <laughs> he said that's just for your wives and men. No, Listen, no brewer likes cider. And John Adams, he was a big cider fan, clearly, and a very you know intimidating guy. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you know he he's on your shirt there. He is. He's one of the he's one of the five bald presidents in the Bald Eagle Party. <laughs> you need a third party, Bald Eagle. Try that. Oh geez, which so, election are we talking about? It's eighteen twenty, and this was kind of a. a an election that is overlooked because we've had landslides yep. in the history of America. Reagan was a landslide. Reagan was was an electoral landslide. You're yep. exactly right. But if you go even further and further back, I mean, if you go to the very beginning, obviously it was a unanimous decision. It was almost the coronation of of uh, Washington. But since then, it was slightly you know contested. But then you get to 1820, and 1820 really was something, Eddie, that was almost like the first one, right? Yeah, this is going to be a legit... In fact, uh, Washington is the only president in American history to win unanimously in the Electoral College. But now, uh, Monroe is going to come closer than anybody else to matching that. Monroe in this election in 1820 is only going to lose... One electoral vote. Only one. And there's a myth. Uh, I mean, this is a myth that is deep in our American DNA. Like like Epstein could, killing himself. Yeah, right? <laughs> it, it's like up there at that yeah. level. You could go and sit in a college history class, and a college history teacher who doesn't know any better will tell you that this elector voted for Monroe, I mean, voted against Monroe so that Washington would not be the only president in American history, so that Washington would go down as the only president in American history to be unanimously elected by the Electoral College. So there are actual professors that, that incorrectly teach their classes that there was an elector that, out of respect to the Washingtonians or Washington himself, he voted for someone else. A deference right. vote. This guy said, hey, this guy should not, he's not Washington. But it was incorrect. Right. That's right. That's what I was taught when I was in college. A history professor told me that this vote was cast to make sure that Washington would be the only president in American history to go down. Um, I've read. Um, if you read The Last Founding Father by Harlow Giles Unger, which is uh, in my top five favorite presidential biographies, Harlow Giles Unger doesn't even seem 100% sure that this isn't true. But I read a really good piece in the Mississippi... <laughs> Here we go Mississippi again. Mississippi <laughs> Valley... State Review <laughs> oh, Journal. At least you went to a reputable site. Yeah. The, the MSVJQLBGT <laughs> <laughs> Journal. <laughs> and the writer 
I think this article was from 1955. Okay. The, the writer of the article went deep. This writer points out, number one, uh, this elector could not possibly have known that every single other elector would vote for Monroe. Because so, it's, it's, it's a blind elect. I mean, you cast your ballots in, the, in a vacuum. Right, right. Yeah. So, so this person would have no way to know that every single other elector was going to vote for Monroe, except for the abstentions, of which there were a couple. But yeah. um, also, this person was a great fan of John Quincy Adams. Okay. And why shouldn't you be? Yeah. I said in the last, when we were doing the last episode, I said, Monroe, I think, is the most underrated president. Yeah. You said he was my favorite. I said, well, I think that he's the most underrated right. of all the presidents. John Quincy Adams is my favorite guy who has been president of the United States. Ooh. Okay. Really? It's not my favorite president, but he's my favorite guy who has been president of so the United States. So if someone would say, States. Eddie Zipper, if you could have a beer with any past presidents, you any past president, you would say, John Quincy Adams, you idiot, of course. No, no. Teddy Roosevelt. You've got to have the beer with Teddy Roosevelt. Okay, okay. You've got to. Yeah, okay. Teddy but, Roosevelt, my favorite president. Okay. Okay. John is, Quincy Adams, my favorite guy who's been president. Monroe, the guy I think is most underrated who was president. <laughs> yeah. A lot of categories. I'm trying to keep up with them all right now. <laughs> I've spent really a ridiculous amount of time thinking about things like this. Yeah, when he's drinking. I've, I've had two ciders, so go slow. <laughs> What's really amazing is my wife could tell you, if you ask my wife, who's Eddie's favorite guy who has been president? She'll tell you, John Quincy Adams. If you tell her, who does he think is the most underrated? I talk about this stuff She's a left, lot. But you left the sigh out before. She's like, <laughs> John Quincy so Adams. Right, have, right. You, have you <laughs> lobbied for your wife to receive a, a doctoral, an honorary doctoral from your university? She needs a medal of honor, <laughs> no I feel kidding, like. No kidding. <laughs> you got to think that every, every speech that Eddie gives, he tries it out on his wife first. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> How does this sound? How does this sound? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. I'm getting the good part. Yeah. <laughs> really, she's an enabler. She buys books uh, like um, an, an presidential trivia books, and oh. she'll just she'll just spend hours asking me trivia questions about presidents. Well, lucky for us, she does that. Yeah. Because no otherwise, kidding. we wouldn't have a good podcast. <laughs> Our show would doubly suck. <laughs> we know nothing <laughs> about beer or podcast. <laughs> well, hey, you, you hey, do. Shut your mouth, there, boy. <laughs> Cider boy. <laughs> <laughs> who was this guy though anyway I, I see William Plumer who what do I need to know about him is there anything important to know There's other than he didn't vote for Monroe other than he was an elector the only reason that anybody alive knows his name is because he did not vote for Monroe in 1820 which every single other elector did no abstentions even no, no, there were abstentions. I'm okay. sorry. Yes. So, so people didn't vote against him, though. Right. This guy. Nobody else voted against him except this guy who voted for John Quincy Adams. Which so John Quincy Adams was running as for what party? Well, we got to be careful to say John Quincy Adams. Quincy, not Quincy. Because Quincy. Quincy is apparently offensive to. Uh, the Adamses uh, fans, uh-huh. so it's, it's Quincy. Quincy. Quincy, as though it has a Z in it. Oh. Quincy, got it. You read any biography about 
John Quincy Adams, and the first thing the biography is going to tell you is that it's pronounced Quincy. <laughs> it's in all the biographies, every Ooh. single one. <laughs> so what, what's happening right before this next election? Tell me how Monroe's first term goes. All right, Monroe, Monroe is a legend. Right. All right. He, um, you know, we have the War of 1812 yep. and Monroe, Secretary of War, like literally leads troops into battle on a horse, Secretary of War. So, yep. Um, then uh, he just take the, takes the reins of the Adams administration for the rest of, I mean, not Madison, Madison yep. for the rest of Madison's term. He's uh, the guy. What he does is he opens up the West to the Americans. Which is what Scott was talking yes. about. The American dream, the expansion, yeah. land grabs, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it really, to me, it changed everything, especially in the Northeast. Wait, was he the guy that said it, the land is up for grabs, or did that happen later? Okay, Monroe is the one who creates the policies so that people are actually able to move out west. One of the big problems with being able to move out west is the Native American population there. It's a little problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, during the War of 1812, we have a lot of... We have a lot of war with the Native Americans. Gotcha. Because they mostly side with the British, mm -hmm. and they mostly do that because... Tecumseh uh, is putting together a confederation of, of Native American tribes. So hard not to say Indian. When you, when you read the books, it's that's what they literally, said back then, right? Yeah, it literally always says Indian because that's what they said. It's okay. Back that's then. what they still call them in Cleveland, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, growing up, you played Cowboys and Indians. Yeah. You didn't play Cowboys and Native Americans. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, it's, I'm not being racist, it's just the way it is. We have uh, all these wars, and we're moving the Native Americans around. Yeah. But we're also buying a lot of land from the Native Americans. Right. We, we give them money. They give us the land. Now, uh, whether or not you think it's our fault that they think, you know, uh, here's an island called Manhattan. We will give you six dollars for it. They're yeah. like, yeah, six dollars. Oh, some beads. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do it. Yeah. Whether or not you think that's our fault is up to you. But uh, Manhattan is worth more than a very small amount of money. But like I said, we're buying the land from them. Right. But we are. Severely ripping them off on a lot of the land. We're yeah. we're underpaying, yeah. which which technically we're paying for it twice, arguably because we bought it, it from black, France. It is but Black still. Friday on yeah. land. Yeah, I mean that's a good <laughs> on point Indian too. property. Yeah, I mean that's a good point too. We're buying land we already own. Yeah, but but, but they didn't necessarily know we owned it, and they'd been there for a while. The obviously. question is, do yeah. the French really own it? Right, but Who you had to buy the from? you had to acquire the rights to buy it from the Native Americans. From the French, you know what crack? I mean, it doesn't crack me up. It's just it, it, it's it's worth discussing, in my opinion. That yeah. obviously, modern America gets all in a tizzy about you know Native Americans being the, their property being taken by um, 
by Europeans. We got rid of Columbus Day because okay. of it. Okay. Yeah, yep. we did. So, but what happened? These these Native Americans, do you think they've always been there? No. They took it by force from someone else. Oh, yeah. I and mean, from they, each other, right? They constantly take it from each other. They're exactly. constantly at war with each other. The yeah. whole, you know, the whole, uh, like, there's very much um, a sort of idealizing of Native American yes. society that is not real. As if it were one tribe. And that obviously right. happens is everywhere, ridiculous. right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, it shows the stupidity or ignorance, have the, the best way to put it, of someone that just wants to be accepted in, in, in modern, you know, in modern lore is, oh, you took it from the American Indians. Which ones? Yeah. Because there were so many fragmented tribes. Some came from Mexico, what we call Mexico now. Some came from Alaska. Um, some came, some of these people came from, from, um, from Scandinavia. I mean, even more simplistically, it's ludicrous to try to push rewind on, on American history or world history in general. Well, who do you right? pay the reparations well, to? Well, you've got to keep, go, say, you gotta keep I mean, going back, right? Yeah. You, you, there, there's a nonstop rewind anyway, at that point. That was and, you know, I, you really take away from the greatest Native American hero, in my opinion, which is Tecumseh, uh-huh. you really take away from him if you pretend that the Native Americans are just one people who are inhabiting yes. the land. Like, you I really take that. away from Tecumseh because Tecumseh, his whole life is about the skills that he puts together in order to put together these tribes to all fight together in a confederacy. Right. It's actually an amazing thing that Tecumseh was able to accomplish. Um, he actually was killed in the war of 1812 uh, in a battle that was led by uh, William Henry Harrison and oh, somebody Johnson. Johnson ended up becoming a senator. Was we'll Big Johnson? Yeah, yeah, Big Johnson. I, I'm pretty sure that was his name. Yeah. Yeah. he was a T-shirt I had on in sixth grade. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. General Johnson, General Big Johnson, <laughs> Big Johnson. Yeah, how close did did Tecumseh come from from accomplishing what he set out to do? I would say that Tecumseh accomplished what he set out to. He wanted to bring the Indian tribes together, I mean the Native American tribes together in order to uh, fight. Uh, In this case, he he ended up fighting on behalf of the British. I don't think that's particularly what he wanted to do. He didn't love the British, but he wanted to do exactly what the American colonies did. He wanted to say, we have all these different states, Indian tribes, but we're going to put them together under one federal Indian tribe, and we are going to win. I think that's what he wanted to do. Uh, He did it. He lost, but he did it. That's kind of of the art of triangulation, which in a lot of ways is... You know, obviously, if we had our druthers in World War II, we would not have made, you know, bedfellows with Russia. But we did, and Russia did, you know, Yeoman's work in, in winning the, the, the war in Europe. Um, you know, such is the case with Tecumseh. You know, who are you going to choose? You know, you, you have to choose the British if you're going to go and, and, and make, a, make a war 
of winning property or land back from or protecting your, your way of life from the Americans. Yeah, it's the simplest principle in international politics, which is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Yep. And uh, for Tecumseh, the enemy of his enemy was... The British. The British. Yep. Yeah. As long as we're talking about Russia, um, we're going to get into this, but Monroe... Monroe is sort of a hero when it comes to Russia because the Russians are very intent upon setting up colonies in the American West. Because Ooh, it, the first example of Russian collusion. Yeah. <laughs> as you know. Yeah. As you know, <laughs> the um Russia is very close to the American West. Uh, so close that Sarah Palin can, she can see, see it Russia. From her property, yes. Well, actually, they her... probably still owned Alaska at that point, right? I would think. I don't know. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. So, so really, Sarah Palin's are just a Russian. She, she was original Russian, <laughs> the original Russian spy. So they think they're going to set up some colonies on our West Coast, and Monroe. This is actually we're jumping a little bit ahead in time, but. Monroe and John Quincy Adams come up with the Monroe Doctrine, yes. which says the Western Hemisphere belongs to the United States of America. Stay the hell out of the okay, Western Hemisphere. So right. that is a broad stroke accusation. The Western Hemisphere. Yes. Stay the hell out of the <laughs> stay the hell out of the Western Hemisphere. You European powers. Jeez. That's right. He says, if you already have colonies here, fine. Um, Greatly to Spain, uh, to the British, which have the Canadian colonies. But the Canadians will free themselves in 1982. Yeah. What blows me away is we we have Americans, we have North Americans in 1820, in a year that, that California hasn't even been discovered yet claiming the western hemisphere as their own yeah in property where maps haven't technically been haven't technically been written about yeah that's insane to me it's awesome the monroe doctrine is arguably the greatest accomplishment we've talked of what five presidents so far yep washington adams jefferson madison monroe i i would say that the monroe doctrine is the second greatest accomplishment of any president so far. The first being... Louisiana Purchase. It's yeah, the be. Louisiana Purchase. The Louisiana Purchase, I'd say, is probably the greatest accomplishment of any president from Washington to Trump. So the, the, the other players in the world scene, do they look at this, this, uh, this, this doctrine and they say, okay... It's yours in the Western Hemisphere <laughs> of the globe. I mean, do they follow suit? I mean... They do largely. They get behind it because what they discover over the first five presidencies, this is a perfect point to make at this time because we talked about five presidencies. Here's right. what the rest of the world discovered of us over the time of five presidencies, which is that you cannot fight... The Americans. And the reason you can't fight the Americans is because you're in Europe and you cannot create a supply line 
that can beat the Americans on their home turf. Really good point because, as in the case of communication, takes months. It also takes it takes supply weeks, if not months, to make it there. Unless you have colonies, which they were trying to do. But I mean, so it's that's a really good point. It's not so much deference as it is pragmatics, right? Logistically, it just doesn't make sense to keep trying. When you've got a power over there that's going to say, if you're over here, we're going to screw with you. We're going to mess up your colonies, yeah. and we're going to take them from you at some point. So at that, that point, it becomes like it doesn't make financial sense for us to well, try to keep holding on to these my things. My next point was right. being more financial, and yeah. is why would they want to screw around with this newly formed country, which has you know riches galore? I mean, yeah. you have, you have uh, you know, the, the natural resources galore that – why would you – even mess with them when you could be you could be you know compadres with what they're doing and yeah and, and bring that over to, to to europe just keep conquering the french they're easy to beat so <laughs> they did quickly discover that it's more lucrative to trade with the united states yep. than it is to try to take from them yeah that's what you hope everybody discovers at some point right i mean that's that's the whole point of diplomacy is like look it doesn't make sense to fight us Let's work together on common interests. Uh, I mean, that's what we're still trying today, right? We're still trying to b- put economic sanctions on people to make them make decisions, diplomatic decisions, right? Iran and North Korea and all those places. We're trying to say it makes way more sense to work with us and to trade with us and to let us buy your products than it does to act like you can come take over something. Well, I think what, what the one thing that that Reagan did that gets lost in history is— um, it's very difficult to outspend an open market. Yeah. Because if you're trying to win a Cold War, um, you know, with someone like America, um, it, it will drive a, um, a socialistic economy into the tank very, yeah. very quickly. Um, not quickly, but it eventually will lose. Yeah. Um, and what it will leave is it will leave a thriving open economy yeah. in its wake. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, um, it's, it's probably not the, the best way of doing it because it's a slower game. It takes a slower – we're talking hundreds of years, in, in essence, to build an American economy that was open and successful uh, to eventually, you know, be competed against with a closed economy with, you know, a socialistic model. Yeah. And it, 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 it doesn't make it worth it at that point. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> so Monroe uh, goes to, uh, when he becomes president, the first thing that he does, remember during the War of 1812, the British come in and they burn down Washington, D.C. Yeah. Everything in it. White House is on fire. Dolly yeah. Madison saving portraits. Yeah. That's right. Dolly Madison says... We can't leave because we got to save the portrait of George Washington. Right. And they say there's just there's just not time. It's, it's too involved to get the frame off the wall. She says, you know what? Break the frame and take the canvas. Yep. Okay, if you don't like Dolly Madison, yeah, how could you not? You're a Russian. Yep. Uh, yeah, you you I mean, are. I'm serious. This chick is awesome. She's yeah. awesome. I love Dolly Madison. Is one of my favorite characters in all of American history. She's really yeah. just uh, amazing. She's she may fantastic. be the first American female badass. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Totally. So, so you got Monroe's first administration. The War of 1812 has just ended. Was that what you're about to say? The War of 1812 has ended already. Okay. Um, you know, it ended. It was really the War of 1812, 1813, and 1814. Gotcha. Um, it's over now, but Monroe, after the War of 1812, uh, he takes over the Madison administration, and he opens up the West to Americans. And you can buy land now for, I mean, nothing. We're talking yeah. less than cents on the dollar. Yeah. Yeah. It creates a huge bubble, which is going to burst on Monroe because people are buying land for like, they're buying land very cheap. And a lot of people are buying land sight unseen. They've never seen the land. They've never been out west, but it's a good deal. They buy the land. So the people out west who know, those people haven't even seen this land. They don't even know. They're selling the same land three, four times Sell it to well, everybody actually, you know. That's a good thing to do because the chances, I've read this, the chances of a um, a pioneer to get in their carriage and to make it to the land they purchased back east in the west is like, what, 20%? You it's get a, a good, 20%, risk. Get, good risk. You get 20% chance of dying <laughs> yeah, my dysentery using yeah. the you know yeah Oregon the, Trail the Oregon Trail you know but yeah. I mean you're you're, you're probably going to die moving out there so it's a good risk to take to sell sure. it to three people because you're 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 playing the odds and it's it's total it's total anarchy out there so who's going to they're going to fight each other yeah one side's going to win which means one side, somebody's going to die no one's there to enforce it yeah that's the reason they call right. it the Wild West the important thing to understand here is that the only fun part of Oregon Trail is when you go hunting. Yeah, yes, that's absolutely and you true. Push the space bar and you shoot the bears. You got to time the. Yep. It's the deer, right? You got to time the deer, right? As well, a, a, or the deer. I didn't. I never shot a bear. Maybe well, you haven't made it far west <laughs> enough because you got to <laughs> yeah. go pretty far west before there start to be. That's true. And you also drink cider, but you know that's <laughs> that joke is never going to get old. <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> when I first started drinking beer about a decade ago, my wife got me into drinking beer. That was all I liked was cider. Yeah. I didn't like the other beers. They were gross. Yeah. But then, you know, I, I moved on to like, you know, like a beat of purple haze and beers that were fruit infused, but not ciders. And then I was like, you know what? I like these. And then I moved on and on. I'm sitting here with an empty IPA. I yeah, I'm very proud of you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. I am too. I am I mean, too. I mean, it's not a hundred percent empty. We are watching a man grow his sack right in exactly. front of us. <laughs> 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 oh wow! Chug. Let's get, let's get Chug. back to politics. Yeah, Chug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chug. It's less than a sip. Ooh, that tasted warm and nasty. Yeah, a lot like IP piss. <laughs> I'd been sitting there a long time. <laughs> So Monroe opens up the West. So Monroe actually ignited the the American imagination, in my opinion. If you want to be poetic about it, opening up the American West is what what America's known for, yeah. which is is that's how we grew our set was moving west, and in things that the, the difficult decisions of fight or flight became uniquely American. That's one hundred percent accurate. I think that. Americans moving west is 
much like Matt drinking an IPA instead of a cider. It's the exact same thing. I'm taking a I'm taking a uh, protesting in silence the rest of the episode. <laughs> so That's America great. moves west, and Monroe, um, the because the Washington D.C. is burnt down, the executive mansion, which is what it's called, burned down. So Monroe spends the first year of his presidency, he tours the country. He goes everywhere in America, and he meets the people, and he talks to them, and everybody. He's the first president to do that yeah. since Washington. So was that the only reason he toured America is because he really had no home? I, it's not the only reason, but it is a reason. Uh, to, to me, that's fascinating. There's no was, executive I was never mansion. taught that. No. I was always taught, you know, hey, yeah, the—, the the White House burned down. Actually, the executive mansion burned down. It wasn't the White House yeah. until after it burned down, you know? That's right. You know, to me, that's funny. I mean, thanks, thanks, America, for not educating me very well. That's why I was careful in this episode to call it the executive mansion, yeah. which yeah. If, if I was any good at this, I'd have called it the executive mansion from the first episode. But I did, I probably called it the White House yeah. already. But it's the executive mansion until... Well, I don't want to get there yet. First, Monroe, one of the places that he goes. Uh, he goes to the site uh-huh. in New York where he was. The musket he took ball. the musket ball. The musket ball chest. I remember this, yeah. And all the veterans of the Revolutionary War come out. They're all old now uh, because it's been five presidencies since you know, it's been five presidencies and an Articles of Confederation. Yeah, but since. we're not talking 20 years. We're talking Yeah, one of those presidents served for 16 years. Yeah, we're, we're, it's 50 years later. Wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. The, the veterans of the Revolution are 70 now. Yeah. But they all come out to see Monroe stand in the spot where he took the musket ball in the chest, and he stands in that exact spot and... the veterans just clap for him and they just love him and he's the hero of every one of them because he's the revolutionary war veteran who became president of the united states and you know they're nostalgic for it it's been 50 years and it's quite possibly the first ever or the first recorded slow clap (laughs) yeah that's exactly He's the only other president to, to have fought, I would guess, with the Continental Army other than Washington, no, the, right? The last yeah. American. That's what I mean. He, but he's the only other president. I mean, Adams was yep. not in the Continental Army. You have uh, George Washington, uh, obviously commander-in-chief yep. of the Continental Army. Then you have John Adams, who's a he politician. He's yeah. not fighting anybody. I mean, yeah. he's yeah. helping to write the... Declaration of Independence. He's yeah. an important politician, but he's a politician. Right. He's not fighting anyone. Yeah. Though he does wear a sword when he's president, but yeah. he apparently looks very, very pedestrian. Very yeah, he he, he uh, wears Castro. a knife. It just looks like a sword. Very similar to Castro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want a, well, lots of medals. Yeah. We and all it, know John Adams' nickname on this show here. Yeah. The great uh, rotundity. His rotundity. rotundity. Yeah. His rotundity. Exactly. And then you got Jefferson, who was another thinker. He wasn't yeah, a fighter. He, was, he also worked on the yep. Declaration of Independence, but he would not 
you would not find Jefferson fighting a war. He was the kind of guy that he's a uh, lover, not a fighter. That's right. He would 100. tell he, he would tell people to fight. He would tell people to fight. <laughs> right. He would give them all the ammunition to fight, as far as uh, as intellectual ammunition. Come over here and sit yeah. on Tommy's lap. <laughs> That's what he where, said a lot. Where is this going? <laughs> Jefferson famously said, the tree of liberty must be fertilized often with the blood of patriots and of tyrants. Yes. yes. It is Title a natural. That's right. Yes. Thanks to Chris Pandolfo of the Blaze, that is the, that is the name of the Thomas Jefferson beer, the blood of tyrants. I love that. Yes, exactly. And then you got Madison, who, again, he was shorter than Adams probably. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. If he if he wore a sword, it was definitely dragging the ground. Madison he didn't was... even <laughs> Madison didn't even ever have a real job in his life. I mean, Madison yeah. is a guy who had crippling anxiety. Madison was essentially a millennial. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had crippling anxiety if he had to do anything where he had to leave his house. Oh yeah, the executive oh. mansion. He couldn't leave that. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then that, you, now that gets lost in history as well. Yeah, I mean, he's the father of the Constitution, but also he's a big old nerd. Yeah. I mean, who, like, doesn't, who doesn't love nerds? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've as seen nerd, the GIF of you've seen the GIF of Homer Simpson screaming "nerd", nerd. from his car to that's, Flanders. Yeah. 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 That's um, that's James Madison for sure. And then you have. The next war and hero. You have Monroe, and yep. he's a war hero, and there hasn't been one since Washington. And really, so, so how, Monroe. How, how, how much of, of American, how much of a, the American electorate was like, all right, we've had enough of, this, enough of this guy that has to take his anxiety medication. We want a man. We want a war hero. <laughs> was, did, was that anything? In, in this in this conversation, you know, generally um, Monroe was better loved because he's just sort of a gregarious type of outgoing, extroverted person. Whereas Monroe is like, you know, a guy who Madison, right? Just, yeah, Madison, Madison is a guy who's just as introverted as you can possibly be. Madison is a guy who was an old man in his 20s. Bookworm guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from early on, he looks like the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever seen a a portrait of Madison and you're like, hey, that guy looks like the Crypt Keeper, he was probably 30 in that portrait. So then you have this guy just sweep the next election as a war hero, and he can't even stay in the executive mansion because it's been burned down by the British, who he's also fought, by the way. He said, all uh, these in guys the, again. The, yeah, he's also fought in the War of 1812 as the Secretary of War. Yeah, remember the yeah. hammock in the office. Yeah, so he was doing that. So he said, so screw it, I'm just going to see the. I'm going to see the, our, our great nation. I'm hitting the road. Yeah, here's what I want. So he probably like, made t-shirts. That's what you and I did for in your RV. Yeah. Yeah, we stayed, we stayed on the we road. We did. We were very much Monroe-esque. Very much. Yeah. I should have shot you in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could run for president then. like you do yeah exactly but but so then you have a guy who who wants to run against this guy in his second term that's what I'm saying in I mean, the beginning of our country 
it was more about the the popularity and the the electability of not who is running, but there was no one against them. Yeah, there was nobody, no one that was strong enough. I mean, who wants to, who wants to put their neck out there to run against this guy? I wouldn't. It's totally. Yeah. I mean, other than Rufus, what his name? What was his name? Rufus, Rufus King, King. And, then, and then Pinkney. Charles Pinkney. Yeah, yeah. And these guys were just. Pinkney's finally had enough. He's like, look, I'm I'm tired of losing. You know, my mom I'm didn't done. vote for me last time. Exactly, oh. it's really getting to me. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you you got him. You got Pinkney's gone. You got Rufus King. He's he's not going to take the L anymore. So so the one vote goes to John Quizzy. One Quin- and and John Quincy. 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 Quizzy is what I said before. It's not Quizzy. It's Quincy. Quincy. <laughs> if he were a rapper. Yeah. Yeah. Quizzy. The Adams. one electoral vote that does not go to Monroe goes to John Quincy Adams, who yep. is the Secretary of State for Monroe anyway. And related to another guy. I mean, Yeah, he's, he's the son of John Adams, though uh, as a human being, in my opinion, much superior to John Adams. Yep. I, I'll tell you what's interesting about John Quincy Adams, even though it's, it's completely tangential to this episode. Oh, please. Um, John Quincy Adams has parents who put the most absurd amount of pressure on a kid that you can possibly put on a kid. Yeah. Okay. When John Quincy Adams is 12 and he's going with his father to Europe, his mother writes a letter to him and it says, uh, I hope that you will do honorable service in Europe, 12-year-old. Uh, if you don't, I would just as soon your ship sink into the oh my sea. God. <laughs> it would be better that you that you died at sea than to not do noble uh, service. Very, very Lud- Ludovicus. That's encouragement. That's what we call it. <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh my God! Yeah, this guy was he was doomed psychologically. Well, oh yeah. With parents well, like that nobody else is going to bother you. Well, <laughs> yeah. his brothers it's true. His his brother totally just caves under that pressure cuz the same same pressure on his brother. He totally caves, becomes a drunk, drinks himself to death. Yeah. All John Quincy's at all John Quincy Adams's kids, same pressure on them. Uh none of them succeed. Yeah. John Quincy Adams is literally the only human being on earth that rises to this pressure <laughs> yeah. and becomes an amazing person. Yep. Yep. And he, and he runs as what? Does he run as a Democratic Republican too? He does. He's going to be when he runs for president, he's going to be a Democratic Republican. Right now he's Secretary of State in the Monroe administration, which is Democratic Republican. Right. At this point, this is the era of good feelings, which means the Democratic Republican Party now is the only national party that there is. Yep. Everybody's a Democratic Republican. In the next election, there's going to be four people running, all as Democratic Republicans. Oh, that's going to get interesting. So, so why does this guy, this one guy that doesn't vote for Monroe, decide it's John Quincy Adams, Quincy Adams that he votes for? He's just a fan. He, he just, just likes, likes John so he's, Quincy Adams. He's not nominated. He d- he hasn't said I want to run against no, Monroe. No, he's not running against Monroe. He's a, he's a write-in candidate, basically. One hundred percent. So what else? What else do we need to know about this election? It's pretty pretty. Uh, he steamrolls everyone. It's a landslide, and yep. 
And uh, so Monroe uh, takes a year, travels around the country, meets everybody in the country. He comes back. The White House is rebuilt. I'm sorry, the executive mansion is rebuilt. They put a beautiful coat of white paint, brilliant white paint on it, <laughs> and it gets a new name, the White House. The first time it's called the White House. Yes. To me, I think it's probably the easiest name ever, right? Yeah. What do you want to call it? We're gonna have it's a, called the White House. We're gonna have Let's a contest for it. It took, me, it took me forever to paint this damn thing. Called the White House. Those had to be union guys, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> the interesting part of the election of 1820, really, if you want to cut it down to okay, what's interesting about the 1820 election? The answer is we have the most one-sided election that there's ever been since George Washington. But at the same time, we come to the very end. It's the end of the founders. Yeah. It's the end of the generation that declared independence from Great Britain. They're all gone. And now it's going to be a totally new generation of millennials. I mean, yeah, it's time Basically, for the millennials to take over. It kind of is, over. though. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's... The old adage is it's always it's not the first generation. The first generation builds it. The second generation ruins it. Yeah. You know? That's right. That's just how it'll be, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's not... You know, every president who's going in our next generation of elections, every president uh, has already made some kind of mark. So... If we go through, we'll say John Quincy Adams, he's already one of the greatest diplomats in American history. He's right. going to be the next president. Andrew Jackson, Andrew Jackson, he fights the Creek Wars yeah. uh, during the War of 1812. He's an important general. Uh, he becomes, uh, when Monroe takes over the Floridas, yep. Jackson is the general who led the charge into Florida, who's the reason that we took over the Floridas. Yep. And Florida will become a state. Uh, William Henry Harrison is the one who uh, fought in the War of 1812 as a general. He's the one who uh, led the army that ended up killing Tecumseh. He's going to be a president in the next generation. DeWitt Clinton, when he ran for president, uh, two elections ago, his campaign was managed by a Carl Rove type guy named Martin Van Buren. Ooh. Oh, wow. he's going to be a president of the guy. next generation. And you're starting to get into the presidents that really most of the public, I would think, knows very little about other than their yeah. name, which is why these episodes are going to be really interesting. I think it's a really good point because yeah. a lot of a lot of American history past the founding fathers is this nondescript era where you dip your toe a little bit into to Quincy Adams and 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 Jackson we know a little bit about them but then it then you go almost to Lincoln before you really know much about the presidents and what they've done mm -hmm. and they've done a lot clearly a lot happened there we just forget about it yeah. you know you know Martin Van Buren is my most interesting president that people oh God, think category. is not interesting he has so many most. It's another category. <laughs> it's like the it's like the damn Emmys. He's got. <laughs> you know, just the, do that. The president. The prezies. <laughs> all the presidents. Every single one of them. The presidents are my guys. Yeah. Even the ones who I'm not on board with. With 
you know, politically like Obama. Jimmy Carter. He's still my guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, all mm. the presidents are my guys. Jimmy Carter, because he's from Georgia, yeah. he's still my guy. Plus, he's the I'd president. Love, there was I'd love to so have you. I'd love to have a beer with Jimmy Carter just to make him feel uncomfortable. Yeah, he'd <laughs> he's be a, like, he, he's a Baptist. He wouldn't drink a beer. With he'd him. be like, Scott, you really shouldn't drink. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good for you. I'll give you brain cancer. <laughs> if you want to be live to be nine hundred like me. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Where can they, everyone find us, Matt? Yeah. Well, first, find us on iTunes or or uh, Spotify. All the podcast apps. Our, our podcasts are available. Go download all of them. Listen to them all at once. That's how we prefer it. Uh, tell your friends and family about us. Go find us on Twitter at Election and Beer. Find us on Facebook at Election and Beer. We're everywhere. Come back for the next episode. That's going to be the episode of what? The year of 1824. 1824 election. Two-beer election. It's a two-beer election because there's four people running. And for the first time, honestly, since John Adams, we're going to have a one-term president. Everybody Ooh. else made it two terms. Ooh. This guy only lasted one term, and he had a but huge— for good reason. But he had a huge resume. One of the biggest resumes as far as what he had done politically but in a long time. For good reason. He yeah. wasn't alive there you go. to make it any further. Good point. Guys, great show. The election of 1820. 1824 is up next. <laughs> Yeah. Obviously, I misspoke. <laughs> Two beers in eighteen twenty-four. Oh, yeah. Two but yeah, beers. I just want to make sure what you're saying. Are you saying John Q. Adams didn't make it to the next election? Yeah. Okay. Is that right? I don't know. John Quincy Adams lives so long that Abraham Lincoln will remember him at his funeral. So Abraham just, Lincoln will attend John Quincy Adams' funeral. So he just stunk. He oh didn't get reelected. Oh, my God. He was, a, he was another Adams that didn't win so a second term. He was term. the first uh, George H.W. Bush. Yeah. Well, the second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, listen, we've obviously had a lot of beers. This is more than a two-beer episode. I think it's been about four each for these guys. I've had two. But come back to the next election is going to be a two-beer, a, a certified, genuine two-beer election. We'll see you next time.